everything's working this week. Uh, although I may have just done something. Anyway, it's all working this week. So um, <clears throat> we've, uh, I did make a slight mistake. It's not uh, interpretation. It's inspiration this week. Not in- interpretation next week. Uh, so inspiration this week. Uh, but I had um, a really, uh, I have to say, you know, when you're preparing a sermon, you, it's ups and downs every week, you know, how, you, how the message really uh, engages with you. So as I was preparing this, you know, you kind of, as a moment where you get into the zone and you're really like, yeah, I see what God's trying to say and why it's important that we accept that all scripture is God-breathed. So what I thought we'd do, and you've got the worksheets there, but um, I don't follow that strictly all the time, mostly not, but uh, the verses are in there, most of the verses are in there. But as a kind of, to hang the sermon on, it's these verses, it's 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. So I'll just read these out. And it says, But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you've known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation, through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Just making sure we've got everything here. I may have another verse for you. I think I do. No, I don't. Okay. I'm going to carry on reading. There's, there's another part of 17 that's for some reason not in here. It might be 18. So it says, So that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. This is... Okay. This is one of the most important statements in the Bible. I've highlighted my text wrong in my notes. Let's start again. Here is the verse, 2 Timothy 3, 14 to 17. Here is where we begin. <laughs> this statement is one of the most important scriptures in the Bible. All scripture is God-breathed, or you would say inspired. God-breathed also means, uh, can mean inspired. I think some translations say inspired. Um, and though it's written by uh, chosen people, by people that God, uh, through the Holy Spirit, chose to write, it is still written by God, uh, just using the hands of those servants uh, that were willing to write the book. Um, and People will often, and it's not hard to find uh, online people who will try to tell Christians that the Bible is written by man, uh, and it is not. And I will tell you why and how you can stand on the authority of inspiration through God and not through men. So when we look at this, there's this this term God-breathed. I wanted to show you this word because I don't think I've uh, even managed to pronounce it yet. Uh, it's, It's Theonoustos, I think it is. Theonoustos? Yeah, you forget about the P, don't you? That's what you do. Yeah, Theonoustos. Uh, and the Theo means God, and the Noustos means breath. Um, and this is uh, in the original, um, the original Greek. Uh, the- I wonder if the Noustos is the nostrils. Yeah, getting that. So that, that is... I, I just love the way that Greeks sometimes just... Think, oh, you can look at it and go, that's, how, that's what it means, that, because the nostril. Anyway, it's great to see when you really sort of dig into some of the Greek and it kind of has that description in one single word of such a, a, a kind of, I don't, I don't know how to describe it, the, the nostrils. <laughs> it's great, it's fantastic just to see that and see the, 
uh, the Greek translation. But more literally, um, all scripture is breathed into by God. And the scriptures that this refers to are the Old Testament. Uh, And Peter and the early church made it very clear that scripture is truly and unequivocally the spoken word of God. 2 Peter 1, verses 20 to 21, says, Above all, you must understand that no prophecy of scripture came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things. For prophecy never had its origin in the human will, but prophets, though human, spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So whenever anyone tries to tell you that it's written by man, it is, but it's not authored by man. Uh, there's a term, it might be in your sheets, and it talks of, uh, it's called autograph, that God autographs, as in, uh, it takes the word graph, and it's, it's a meaning to author. Um, and I wonder, we've, we, we obviously, in, that, in our world, we use autograph for that kind of, I'm going to get your autograph from a celebrity. Uh, and I've just got that sense all of a sudden that it's not just one-off signature. The whole Bible is God's autograph. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Uh, it's actually, in, I think that's in the original Greek, uh, and it's, it's this, this sense of autographing the entire Bible, that it's God's, uh, God's word written throughout, you know, however many pages and words, that is all God's word. Uh, and I, just that idea of just him autographing that book is just amazing. And just getting that idea that actually it is truly inspired uh, and truly written by God. And some people, you might say, when you look at this, one of the things you kind of have to be careful of is it mentions prophecy in this verse, and you have to be really careful just to understand what this means. Um, when it refers to uh, prophecy, Peter's not saying that only the prophetic parts of Scripture are inspired by God, not only those things. So uh, try and describe it. This is not prophecy in the sense of what's going to happen in the future. You understand? So what God's doing, he's using a tool, which is prophecy, to tell his followers, his believers, about who he is, his written word. And he's using the function of prophecy to tell them. So it's not a prophecy of the future, but a prophecy as in used to inspire men to write through the Holy Spirit. Does that kind of make sense? Prophecy? It's not prophetic in that sense. Okay? We understand prophecy to be certain books of the Bible. Prophecy, Revelation, might be prophecy, Daniel, might be prophecy... Uh, but in this sense, he's saying he's using a tool of prophecy to tell men what to write down. That's how it works. Uh, and so, <clears throat> so the very scripture that was written by people was in itself prophecy to them by God. And it's used to deliver this uh, word to his people. And it's also really important to know uh, that that verse does refer to Old Testament. Um, but then, and I've heard this, it's being taught somewhere, and it, it needs to stop, that New Testament is like a, another version of, of the Bible. It's not necessarily God-breathed authority. Yeah, I've heard that. I know you're looking at me like this, but I've heard people say this. And it, it, is, it is written, it is equal to the Old Testament in authority. It is still written by God. It is still authored by him. It has the same God-breathed authority. This is shown in 1 Timothy 5, verse 18. I have here, yeah, one. It says, For Scripture says, 
Do not muzzle an ox whilst it's treading out the grain and the worker deserves his wages. You're going to go, what has that got to do with how it's Old Testament and New Testament is all God-breathed? They're two different verses. One's from the Old Testament and one's from the New Testament. He uses it in one context. I think I've got it here. I have got it here. So Paul uses the same word for scripture. That's the graph. So that's when I said about the autograph. He used that we, we say scripture is graph or graphy that he uses in 3.16 that we just read. And so this is what he does. In Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 25, verse 4, it says, Do not muzzle an ox whilst it's treading out the grain. And then he says, in Luke 10, verse 7, stay there, eat and drink whatever they give you for the worker deserves his wages. You see what he's done? So he's brought two, Old Testament, New Testament, and what we can do with that, we can, we can say, and based on many other scriptures, by the way, but this in particular, because it shows a really good example of how what, what's happening here is that all scripture is God-breathed. So that if he's saying it in one piece of scripture then it all has authority. If we say for a moment that suddenly he's put authoritative scripture with non-authoritative scripture, that wouldn't make sense. It just wouldn't make sense. So we get, start getting this idea that actually Old Testament and New Testament is all God-breathed. And it's really important to know that. Because what we're having here is a skewed version of God's word coming to us. The churches are being convinced that we can, we can start to not be so strong on things in the Bible, not be so convinced by things. We can compromise on them. Because that is the spirit of the age. That is what will happen. If we start to erode the authority of the word, then everything starts to erode. So whenever anyone says to you, if anyone ever says, Oh, it was written by the disciples or after Jesus left, that Jesus returned to his Father. That's not quite, it is. Everything is God-breathed. All scripture is God-breathed. So again, this confirms that all scripture is God-breathed. New and Old Testament. Paul's starting with the words, for scripture says, ties the two together. For scripture says, he makes no gap between the two. For scripture says, from the Old Testament and the New Testament, this is scripture. It's a little bit detailed, but we need to know if someone's going to ask, if we are disciples of Jesus, someone's going to talk to us about this stuff, and they would have heard crazy things, like the New Testament isn't authoritative scripture. I've heard that. <laughs> People say that. And then we get another couple of examples in terms of the New Testament authority. Jesus prepared for his disciples to speak with divine authority for the sake of the church. Uh, John 16, verse 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. Another um, example of where New Testament is inspired by God, 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13 says, this is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. It 
so easy to get into human wisdom as Christians, to get trapped in human wisdom, uh, that when we are in a conversation with someone, that when we're talking potentially as disciples to disciple someone, that we can go off track, that we can speak in human wisdom. Because there is a temptation to go off because maybe what we're about to say might be a bit too hard for this person to hear. And so the question comes, it's all right saying it's all God-breathed authority scripture, it's all God's word. And he says, what about the bit where he kills everyone? What about the bit where he wipes the planet clean? And we can argue this case, but we don't need to. Because we believe in God's authority over everything. If God decides and plans, or whatever you want to call it, that's what he's going to do, and we accept that that's his authority in our lives. If he wants to rid the earth at the time of Noah, then that's in his power to do so. He is creator God of those things. The, the key thing here is, is to not be afraid of what Scripture says. It's really easy to water down Scripture. So what emerges from this is the divine authority of the Holy Scriptures is the Holy Spirit. The divine author, sorry, the divine author of the Holy Scriptures is the Holy Spirit. So when the Scriptures are being written, they are being inspired and authored by God through the Holy Spirit. I was reading something and, I, and someone asked a question, would they have known if they were writing the words of God, as they were writing it. And of course we don't know, because it doesn't tell you. They don't talk about themselves, surprisingly. Uh, but they don't talk about themselves because it, it's meant to be honouring God, they're talking about God's word. But, so they couldn't actually say for sure, but there is a sense that when they're, they're writing about, about God in the Old Testament, or Jesus in the New Testament, and certainly uh, in Acts, that there is just this, there's, there's no restriction because of the world. When you read the Bible, they don't worry about what the world thinks of them. They don't worry about what's being written down. They don't worry. And I think maybe that, that's what it felt like. Maybe that's what it was about. Maybe that's what the, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was, was like. It was, the world was so far away from them. They were so wanting to honour God and glorify him and write this stuff down. They weren't controlled by fear of the world. They weren't influenced. They didn't use human wisdom, but allowed themselves to be taught by the Spirit. And what's the purpose then of realising this, accepting it? What's the purpose of realising, even if you know already, but maybe realising that every single word is God-breathed? Well, it has real consequences for us as Christians. It matters so much that our lives should be impacted by it. It matters that every word that is written is God-breathed, that we should believe that. And we're seeing, but we are seeing in this time this erosion of God's word in the way it's taught, and therefore the way it's applied is it no wonder that people are not going to that next stage 
of being released into the new life of Christ, into doing the mission that Christ has commanded, laid on our heart, to go and make disciples. When we focus so much on the outside, we focus so much on how we look, focus so much on the attention grabbing, how do we attract people? Because I'm going to tell you that if we have that approach, here's what's going to happen. When you come with the word and speak truth, it's not going to make a difference. If we focused on being a great celebration service every Sunday, if we, in a sense of how it appeared, and there were fireworks and all sorts of stuff going on, the moment you sat down and talked about Jesus, I wonder whether people would really take that in or actually they were so in awe by the amazing performance of the, the worship team and of the speaker and the fireworks. Why would they listen to this humble message from Jesus, direct message from him, when they can enjoy such entertainment? And so we're seeing an attempt to skew God's word in favour of making it palatable or compatible with our worldly lives. We do this ourselves as Christians. I can say that I do this inadvertently, subconsciously. I think what we do is we try and make it fit our worldly life. We try and make the word, the commands that Jesus told us to carry out. Well, that sort of, if I I can still do this because it sort of is honouring Jesus. And that's not what we're here to do. And I'm going to tell you that we overcomplicate when we do that, when we try to make so much more of a, of a God-breathed word. Do you understand what we're doing? We're saying that when we don't think it's enough, when we have to put layers over it, we're saying God's word that was breathed by him, spoken by him, is not enough. It needs to be updated and tweaked to make it palatable to today's young people. To any generation, in fact. That is a road to nowhere. That way of teaching is not by the Spirit, but by human wisdom. And we're warned about this in 1 Corinthians 2, 12-16. We had this verse earlier, but in fuller context, to give you a bigger context around this verse, It says, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. This is what we speak, not in words taught us by human wisdom, but in words taught by the spirit, explaining spiritual realities with spirit-taught words. The person without the spirit does not accept things that come from the spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. We read that bit again. Remember what I just said about how we're trying to make church accessible. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. It goes on. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ.
if those that teach, or for us, for all of us that receive the word through whatever means that is, whatever teaching, whoever we listen to, whoever we learn it from, do not accept that all scripture is God-breathed, that the Holy Spirit provides revelation and the words in that revelation, then we are merely teaching human wisdom. We are merely teaching a happy-go-lucky faith, something that feels nice, something that is just, make me happy, please, because I'm sad. And yet, Scripture is so much more than that. It's so much more than just, where can I find a nice verse that will make me feel better? It's so much more than just that. It will make you feel better. If you read the right scripture, if you read the the encouragement in scripture, yes, absolutely, I agree, it's encouraging. And it will lift you. But to understand the depths of that, to understand that there is a horrible side to us, means that that bit you want to read that makes you feel better is all the more better because we experience the foolishness of ourselves. We know how bad we are. We know how sinful we are. So read the bits that don't seem to be that nice. It's all about context. How do we know that this word is useful for correcting, teaching, rebuking? Because I know the depths of my soul. Because Jesus showed me through the Bible. Because God's inspired word shows me that I am useless. But because of him, I can be righteous. It's therefore a false gospel. It's a false gospel if we do not believe that all scriptures God breathed. And that is the impact to us as Christians. If we receive a gospel that is in itself inaccurate or not in belief that all scriptures God breathed, when we go out and tell others and teach others, it is corrupted. So you see, it's really important And we were talking about this, weren't we, on Wednesday night, about how important it is that we ourselves engage in the Word. That it's not just down to me, it's down to each of us as we have a personal faith in Jesus to understand the Word. It's not simply a matter of preference or an open-hand issue. Uh, When we say open-hand, I don't know if you know what this means, open-hand as in it's debatable, could change it's accept, we, we, we kind of accept uh, different views on it. Closed hand means we, we don't accept different views. This is how Scripture is. This is one of those closed hand issues. All Scripture is God-breathed. This church believes that all Scripture is God-breathed. And I mean, when I say this church, I don't mean that I've checked with each of you. I mean that as Jesus' bride... As in, as we are called to do, we believe that all Scripture is God-breathed. And on this subject, and maybe a few others, I will not enter into debate or entertain it in any way that detracts from the undisputed fact that all Scripture is God-breathed. So it must be for all of us. I will never entertain a debate that ever says God's Word might be slightly less in some places. The testimony of God's holy word is that it is his breath and that it is everything to believers. 
Deuteronomy 32 to, uh, 46 to 47 says, He said to them, Take to heart all the words I've suddenly declared to you this day, so that you may command your children to obey carefully all the words of this law. They are not just idle words for you. They are your life. By them you will live long in the land you are crossing the Jordan to possess. Moses had just finished writing the words of the law and given it to the Levites in this verse uh, to place beside the ark and had sung his song, the song of Moses. They are not just idle words for you, they are your life. Psalm 119 devotes 176 verses to the celebration of Scripture. 176 verses to the celebration of Scripture. That's awesome, isn't it? We know what the Psalms are about. We know that that is a worship. 176 verses just to the Scripture alone. Even if you took out whether they were, they were, they were worshipping God or celebrating God, they're saying, Scripture is God and we're going to celebrate this. It's so treasure it so much, we're going to celebrate. It uses the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet as its structure. This is a bit of a cheesy link, but it's maybe a, a one of those that is, is good, to, good to have, good to know. It says, in effect, what it says is that God's word is everything from A to Z. It is our life. When Jesus was tempted uh, by Satan, the word enabled him to defeat Satan. Jesus leaned on Scripture and therefore continued to validate its sufficiency for him. If Jesus says it validates, if Jesus says it's God-breathed, if Jesus uses it to push away the devil... And why aren't we? Why aren't we speaking into the word? Why are we not? And you know, we pray in our worship service, and that's great. But if, you, if you're not a prayer, if you're not someone who likes praying out loud, that's fine. I haven't got one here. There's a whole book. A whole book full of words you can use. If you can't pray out loud, if it isn't on your mind, that, that might just be the way it is for you. And that's fine. There is an entire book of God speaking, available to each of us. And if that's all it is, then read it out. There's no need to be afraid, it's God's word. It's, it's who he is, you're reading out who he is. So if you can't come up with a prayer, don't, don't be scared about that, don't be worried. Reading scripture is just as honouring, just honours him. Matthew 4, verse 4 says, uh, Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just as we uh, finish here, certainly our sermon and just our, uh, our service, before we go into more our worship time, um, 
here, I'll, I'll just wrap up with this. The scriptures were, were life to Moses. They were everything to him. It was food to Jesus. It was everything he needed, everything he needed to be on earth, to suffer the consequences of our sin, to suffer and pay the price. Scripture was enough for him. It was everything. It was his life for him. They cannot and must not be anything less to us. If even Moses, we talk about Jesus, if Jesus says that's important, it's Scripture is the thing that's going to protect you. Scripture is the thing that's for your life. Every word that comes from the mouth of God, which is in that book right there. If that was enough for Moses even, how much more was it for Jesus, who is the Son of God, who is God? And he still comes back to Scripture. When the devil tries to persuade him, using Scripture itself to deceive him, he says, no, 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 you're twisting it now. It says this. And you know, I've read, you know when you read that, he says, doesn't it say, doesn't it say, Jesus brings context. Jesus brings correction, rebukes the devil, tries to use God's word against him. But he knows it. And not because he's done loads of memory verses. It's not what this is about. It's, about, it's being written on our heart. It's written on our hearts when we were created. Through the Holy Spirit, we can know and learn more about the Bible. The words of scripture in the book that you that we have stacked at the back, the one book here, wherever it is, the breath of God. And we so often take it like a study. It's not, because actually this stuff is for our health. It is the food of life for us. Now just as we kind of come to an end, I'm gonna um, pray and then I'm going to uh, speak a blessing over the church as, and be free to do what you need to do today but yeah, as an open invitation as we just continue to worship uh, and as we worship um, music will continue to play so don't be scared about praying if you're standing to, to pray here the music will continue to play throughout and you can pray through that as well don't be worried uh, and I'll kind of direct you in that, and then we'll, we'll learn how to worship God, how to be free in worshiping Him. And I'll, I'll, I'll guide you in that, and then who knows what'll happen? I want this place, you want this place to rock, don't you? Like the New Testament. I'll pray, Father. We we want to thank you that you have given us Holy Scripture, uh, that you have inspired people to come and write uh, through your Holy Spirit everything you have to say, that you've revealed yourself to these people so that we today can know who you are. We can know the character of a perfect, the perfect holy God. We can know the character, the love, the ability to father all people, the ability to Welcome everyone into the kingdom if they choose to take up Jesus in their lives. Father, we thank you 
that we have such access to inspired scripture, the very autograph of God. And Father, we, we just want to, we want to thank you for that, Father. We want to bring you praise and worship. We want to understand the basics again, Father. Why do I read this book? Because God is speaking. God is speaking. Father, we thank you that we have a chance just to hear you, to listen to you, to hear everything you have to say about our past, our present, and our future. Father, we thank you for the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, who if we choose to, if we accept, can teach us more about you through your word. Father, we thank you for your Bible. We thank you for your word. Amen. We just say this, uh, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Amen.